super excited to dive into some stuff with you um this the, your last book did pretty good is that right yeah it, 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 it remarkably did well it was surprising to me it was surprising because i'm i'm thinking you know this is a very spiritual book hyper spirit you know like who but i think it was the right time it was the right time and there was a hunger for it and the people were ready because it was on like the amazon best sellers list for like a long time quite a while yeah and not just on under like crazy woo woo christian you know christian supernatural categories under like the protestant the, theology protestant theology i think yeah. i think that's awesome protestant christianity that was what was remarkable to me because here i am you know i'm obviously what what some would call a classical charismatic i believe in the spirit i believe in the holy spirit i believe in the practice of the holy spirit and i'm writing a book that even for classical charismatics might be a stretch, and it this book goes to, you know, the top five in in Protestant Christianity for quite some time. And it, it, so to me, it was this kind of a, who cares? It's not for my ego or anything like that. It's not really about that for me at all. But it was a little mile marker of like, you know, the 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 waterline where we're at right now in the kingdom because everything is like very like um this whole idea like the supernatural there's just an openness to it now like across denominations where in the past it wasn't like that like there was like the supernatural christianity was like this weird little fringe right and even if if you said that you believed in like prophecy or 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 the prophetic or anything it was kind of like you were like a fringe kind of thing but now it's like it's it's like hip to be supernatural right in your in your christianity oh yeah well i mean in 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 every sense of culture right now people are trying to take advantage of any level that they can anything that can leverage them in any way i mean people will pay uber amounts of dollars to fly with tony robbins to a, a remote place to get a hug from a guru you know wow. because wow. they believe this hug will give them special powers you know and and it will give them warmth and in a sense of uh, you know belonging and then they'll be able to do their business and run their business like you know a boss and so people are interested in out you know the the out of the box stuff right now but there's authentic and then there's counterfeit and people are looking for the counterfeit and the thing about my book is in the middle of it for for those that are kind of familiar with the language of a seer and that's the topic is the seer and the name of the book is the secrets of the seer you know i've met a lot of folks i'm sure you have as well that call themselves a seer and it's just it's really they have social awkwardness mixed with <laughs> spirituality right, that right, somehow right, right. 
equates them to be categorized as a seer and you know one of the my favorite chapters in the book that was a joy to write <laughs> was the secret of humanity and how just being human is spiritual wow wow being wow. a human being that's good and if it's you know when we say oh i'm i'm a human being having a 70-year human i'm a spirit having a 70-year human experience right, right, right. which is totally false right because jesus became didn't, didn't oprah come up, come up with that statement like uh, so whoever did, it's, <laughs> Deepak Chopra. It, it's been adopted by the church, and it's just a terrible, terrible saying because it, it actually takes away the sacredness of our humanity, of our physical, yeah, of our yeah. physical yeah. nature and our and our physical needs and personality. You know that we're human. What does it mean to be human? You know, I'm reminded of this in in Psalms, Psalm 24. It says, "Who is this King of Glory?" The Lord strong and mighty. Mm. The Lord, you know, mighty in battle. Open wide ye gates. Be lifted up ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. What I believe that Psalm 24 is speaking about is that when God became a man and he resurrected and ascended to, to be with the Father, that he stood at the gates and they said, Who is this King of glory? Who is this? And he responded, the Lord, strong and mighty. They couldn't recognize him because they were so used to him in one form. Now he's the resurrected man. Wow. wow. A human wow. approaching the, the gates that lead to the heavenly realm. And they, he says, open wide ye gates. Our humanity is something that I think is super sacred. And it actually empowers us to have greater levels of capacity for hearing, seeing, and understanding the depths of God. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, so, how did how did you actually? Because you you talked a little bit about yesterday about your your story of growing up and just kind of like being a seer even as a kid and like the nightmares and night terror. But but I don't think I'd ever actually heard that whole part of your you know your story. So can you kind of take us back to what that was like? Um, having this gift but not even realizing it was a gift maybe it even felt more like a, a curse yeah as a kid well you know i so when you grow up like this and i say like this just because i only know what it's like to grow up as me so you know it's not a burden it's it's, it's i feel happy in myself and all of that sure but when you grow up and you are a seer or at least you're wired that way. You have a high level of wiring towards that reality of God. And, you know, and, and here's what's interesting about this, Darren, is I was a seer because I had actually naturally had hearing problems as a kid. Wow. I had blown my ears out a couple times, popped my eardrums. I, I suffered from uh, hearing uh, problems and I couldn't hear and so in order for me to hear people I had to read their lips I was always using my eyes to perceive what, what what people were saying to me so my mother I remember as a kid her being super bothered why are you looking at my mouth all the time wow. and I wow. said I can't hear you I literally can't hear you wow. and because of that I have to read your lips so that natural way of learning and perceiving the world around me really 
it, it poured into my spiritual life as well. And I don't know if it's one or the other, what came first, the chicken or the egg, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this, that there were certain things in growing up that were hard to deal with because I was a seer. And it ended up in my, in, in, in my spirituality, in my dream life and all of that stuff, that I actually started having some demonic encounters and I in in led me to hallucinations and other kind of uh, demonic phenomena that that I would you know wake up in a full on hallucination believing something absolutely crazy you know and and my parents would have to calm me down they would call the ambulance I would be shipped off you know strapped down in a gurney still in a frenzy all of that seeing the whole time. And so this became my sort of part part of my childhood growing up. Wow, wow. And I was also tormented by fear. Fear because I was so aware of the this realm that was outside of me, outside of and who who do you talk to about this, right? But I had fear. And so I was radically delivered when I came to Jesus of fear. And fear, the type of fear was a fear of demons and, you know, being attacked in my sleep and being suffocated. I remember so many times to a, a demonic presence suffocating me as a kid. Wow, wow, wow. And, and that fear of falling asleep, being suffocated. And so when I came to Jesus, I was radically delivered of that. Wow. And it doesn't mean I don't have nightmares. I still, to this day, have nightmares here and there but it's not the nightmares you know that that on that level and it's not nightmares i think sometimes you get demonized if you have a nightmare you know and and we're categorizing a nightmare i'm not talking about like a a a vet a war vet having a you know a nightmare or some kind of reoccurring fear or something traumatic flashback in their dreams right but if you have something that that terrorizes you in the night it actually can be that you have something if it's over and over you know you got to work through but it's also just being a human you know you're an antenna you're a receptor to the things of the spirit realm and um and you know zachariah even scripturally zachariah you know the enemy invades this vision that zachariah is experiencing in this visitation that he witnessed uh you know joshua the high priest having out of nowhere the enemy invades that realm and and so in the same way i've had you know heavenly encounters that all of a sudden just got invaded by something demonic or was demonic before and because it was it was trying to challenge or come against what the, what could be sensed as I was about to have a real encounter from the living God. Now, like you talk a lot about like the um, uh, most of the trauma, like most of these traumatic seer experiences happen like at night, like when you, you'd be, you'd be sleeping in, in like, that's where a lot of this like heightened place, like this spiritual kind of state would, would, would happen at night. But during the day when you're just doing life and just, you know, you were at school and that kind of thing, were you also seeing in the spirit, like during the day and like seeing demons and stuff during the day or was it mostly like an uh, a night kind of experience it was mostly a night kind of experience and this is 
in in the reason there are actually real things that happen at night that where the demonic is more present and more uh, um, uh, in a sense active. Okay, and so like demons are nocturnal. In it, it, it sounds so strange. But you know, and, and we could go back to some sure. some scripture about, right, right. about it. You know, God separated the light from the darkness. Right. He separated the day from the night. He called the light day. He called the night. He, he called the darkness night. But he only called the day good. He didn't call the night good. Mm. And and so Jesus then says, "We are of the day. We are not of the night." He says, "Work while you can, while the day is still." Right. Interesting. So, then, so you almost think that like de- demons have like a more jurisdiction at night versus the day. Well, I think that what happens is, you know, for uh, maybe out of superstition, sure, that there are people who practice levels of witchcraft and they do it at night, predominantly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, the day is the time to work, and in night times, time for whatever entertainment. You know, and whether it's healthy or unhealthy, you know, there, it's it's for all of these type of things. But, you know, when people have free time on their hands and they get themselves in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to dive into different realms of, you know, some, you know, incantations, summoning, blah, 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 you know, and, and all of these things. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, it, there, there's certain things that, and I don't know how deep you want to go down this rabbit hole, but let's go there, Jamie. You know, there's no moon. For instance, like crazy in the age voice. to come. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't a demon voice. That was all right. You keep I'm going. Pretty keep freaked going. out <laughs> that you just did that. But <laughs> go there. <laughs> in in the age to come, there is no moon. Interesting. There's a sun, but the, the light that that sun is okay. the S O N, not the S U N. Okay, right. And there's right. no moon. And and so you know this whole thing with the occult is you know centered around moon and the moon seasons, right. and you know the Old Testament the the feasts were the, around the moon right okay right, so right. it's not all bad it's not bad the moon's not bad God created it and you know et cetera et cetera, but we find though that a lot of the the things that are are practiced you know are are real, direct that in witchcraft are directly related to the night. And I wrote a book, you know, in one of the uh, years ago, Supernatural Revolution. One of the chapters I wrote was like, We own the night. We're going to take the night back. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And it was about the night watches. And there's four night watches. And if you look over in scripture, Jesus did some massive miracles in one of the night watches. He walked on water between 3 and 6 a.m. It's called the fourth watch of the night. Yeah, right. right okay, right. so and then interesting. And the in the watches of the night, there's a six to nine, nine to twelve, twelve to three, three to six. Each of them have different meaning and different uh, the reasons why they've they they sort of have this, um, you know, the, 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 this sort of uh, focus, a divine focus on each of those. And the Israelites would practice the watches of the night. They originally had three, but when they came to Roman calendar, they actually had to split it up, and it was four. Hmm. And so in the four watches, the daybreak watch is between 3 and 6 a.m., and it is actually the time that Jacob met the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, and wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and he said, let me go for the daybreaks. Wow, wow, And so that was the daybreak watch, and that is why... A lot of us have dreams at certain hours of the night because there's certain modes of revelation re- released for people. And all of this happens. You don't even know it. You know, God's God and he's doing his thing. And, you know, and, and yet I'm 
I'm sort of like a spiritual scientist. Um, you know, I love I I want to discover this stuff. Right, right. I want right, to know right. how it operates. I want to. I'm an engineer in my mind. You know, I'm like, whoa. How do I let, teach me that God? I want to know your ways, and you know, is it does it make me more e- emotional? You know, emotionally capable, not necessarily, but it just I love it. It's it, it gives me aware of God and who he is and his goodness. And, and that's the way I'm wired. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so you, you used to be in this place where like where nighttime, I, I imagine was like a time of the day that you just despise. Like you, you, totally. you probably were not, you yep. were just not into, you know, the night and now, yep. and now it's a time of the day that you, that you love and enjoy. Like, like you, you really, you are kind of using the nighttime as, as an opportunity to really tap into the spirit. And, and actually the opportunities that are available actually at night that might not be available um, throughout the rest of the day just because of maybe like the the, the state that we're in or then that our body knows is gonna get to rest and so we our defenses kind of go down, maybe our spiritual defenses kind of go down. I mean, would you speak into that as far as like the opportunities that are available at night and how you kind of like prepare yourself for the night and you know, totally. what, what does that look like for you? So for me, I love the Psalms and Proverbs at night. Awesome. And I pretty much make it a habit that before I sleep, I read through the, through Psalms and Proverbs. I read a proverb depending upon the day of the month. So as, if it's the 31st day of the month, I read Proverbs 31. It's the first day of the month, I read Proverbs 1. Right? And then I try to skim through and go through a psalm. And, and uh, actually, two sometimes two t- sometimes three, and but then I'll pick out of that psalm one really key verse that stands out to me, and this puts a calm in my heart. This puts a calm in my spirit, hmm. and it's it's just amazing to feel that calm that the Word of God gives you, and the Proverbs it puts a calm in me, and then then I I'll either one of two things i'll put on my the audio of the of the scripture Mm -hmm. and i'll just play it in the background and i put it on psalms starting off that psalm that i was reading and it will run through the whole night really yeah and so i have the psalms playing in the background headphones or something or just right audio right next to me right next to where i'm sleeping does that ever wake you up like oh yeah yeah absolutely but it also it gives me amazing sleep i feel you know and and I'm I'm not listening probably to the most entertaining version of the Bible. Sure, sure, you know, sure. it's not like, it, you know, it's it's not like a cops and robbers movie or something like that. <laughs> right, it's right. like, no, I lay me down to sleep. You know, it, it's it's very calm. You know, Lord, you lead me to still waters, and and so that to with me with background music behind right. or just the voice. Yeah, how many uh, how many times have you read the scripture and just like started getting tired while you're reading right, the scripture? Right, right, right. Well, there's a calm that is. It's it's it, it has an effect of calm, but then I also will put on a certain I have certain uh, melodic instrumental music that I love to, to listen to because I believe it gives me an increase of dream frequency in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them, uh, Robert Winfield has no my sleep. favorite dude. You turned me on to to Robert Winfield. Oh, isn't that amazing? Oh my goodness, I'm always talking about about the, about his albums, and I'm I just I so just good. And actually, John Thomas said that, that he's a believer. 
Is he really? Well, he uh, and he said that he's a believer and that he wanted to record music that would induce lucid dreaming. Oh wow, that's fascinating! Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And yeah. So he was very familiar with him and and his works and everything. And oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. good. No sleep for dreamers. Yeah. Love that it, album love it, love is it. just incredible. It's incredible. Just put it on repeat from front to back. And I have incredible dreams when I'm listening to that. When I when I fall asleep to it, and I put it on all night long, and it's just perfect enough that it doesn't jar you, wake you up in the middle of the night. It keeps you sleeping. But for there's some like reason, there's like two points on that album that always wake me up. It like it like goes into this, and I'm always like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I go right back out. Man. Yeah, but, yeah. But what an amazing album! It's, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, lo, you know, I, I see. I'm a huge believer. We kind of geek out on soaking albums, right? Totally, now, right? Man. <laughs> you know, the Riveras are very good friends of mine, and they were really one so that pioneered the soaking. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know, genre of music and and worship music, and and so I'm a huge proponent of that. And when before I knew them, I used Handel's Messiah. I was really. I, I went and found you know Handel's Messiah. I was like, I need like heavenly choir music that's gonna bring me into an encounter, and so I used Handel's Messiah. Handel's Messiah <laughs> in the glory of glory of the. And I was like, oh, yeah, Ray, this is Ray Hughes would be so proud of you. He, you know, oh really? Oh, yeah. You know, and and I would play it on repeat. I had it on repeat in my room day and night. Wow, and um. And and I found I had encounters to that to that music. Wow! And 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 so, you know, there's certain things and sounds and songs in us, depending upon the season of time we're in, where those songs sort of you know, it's the rhythm of our heart. It's the song that grips our heart because it's something that we're either go, growing through or going through mm. you know we're mm. growing through or going through and the, and and the sounds for some reason just really hits us i mean it could be uh reggaeton for for one person <laughs> you know right 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 and it gets them through you know and but it it's just everybody has a different sound going off in them and it's what motivates you it's what and, and uh, you know and and so i'm you know in in my life you know obviously there's there's certain music that we're all have an affinity towards, right? But I wasn't raised with like I love Handel's Messiah, right? It wasn't like <laughs> as a teenager where I was like, man, I really love to listen to to you know to to worship opera, you know, or worship you know like that wasn't. But it was something in my heart. I wonder if there's a dubstep version of of Handel's Messiah. <laughs> I think that's your your next. You right. know, season of life, yeah, you know, bro. Yeah, come on. You, you know, you're onto something. Yeah, we we used, to, we used to host soaking conferences here at the church, and we had people that like like they, would, they like we have like a soaking room here, and like they've been doing it for like 14 years, and so they brought in Julie True. I don't know if you know. Oh yeah, Julie yeah, True I, know Drew, I, I know her absolutely. Yeah, she recorded one of her albums during one of our soaking conferences. And I just remember like coming into one of the soaking conferences and like all the lights were, were out, like all the lights. They had a couple, I don't even think they had a, any lamps. And um, I remember coming in and just being like, wow, that's too bad. Like I felt bad for the people that were hosting the soaking conference because nobody was, was there. Like the whole place was empty. And so like I found a little, I, I found a little place on the floor and borrowed like a mat and was having a good time. And then like, and then it, they were like, they closed the meeting and all of a sudden everybody sat up in their chairs and the place was packed. 
So it's kind of funny because I thought the place was empty, but everybody's laying down. So yeah, that's fun. you know, <laughs> I mean, I was the guy that I I remember years you know coming into worship and I'm just everybody's ta- standing, marching, pressing. I would lay down. Right. I would lay down. You're the layer. I'm the guy. I'm the guy up there. Yeah. That it's questionable whether I'm taking a nap or yeah. Actually. Layers. Layers are always interesting, right? Like, right. Yeah. Because you're always kind of like, are you really worship? Are you, or are you just lazy? Right. Yeah. And and it, it could be <laughs> or, a truth to that. Or, <laughs> I could be a little bit lazy. But yeah. what I what I will say though that is Come that on, like, it, let's drive a little bit, right? Like yeah, is that I I definitely feel like there's something. There's there are times to receive. Mm. There are times to lay down in the presence of God. And here's the other thing that people feel often so guilty about is they feel guilty about falling asleep during worship. Wow, right, right, right. And that right, is right. 100%. Now, I'm not talking about when it is a time to pray, you know, and your pastor is like, get up, we're praying for, you it's, know. It's time a, to pace. It's, a, it's an emergency pace. situation. Right, Johnny's right, in right. the hospital. Right. That's not the time to fall asleep. Right. Right. But when you are Adam and you need a, 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 a soulmate, mm. right, and God puts you in a deep sleep, you're not going to wake up feeling guilty, right? Because God did that. God put you in a deep sleep. He put you in a place where he could do something very specific in you. And and then make some changes that you are unaware of. It's okay to fall asleep while praying. And that doesn't sound often like the narrative of, of even the intercessory group. But it's okay because God, I found that when I do that, I get dreams, visitations, encounters. Wow, wow, you know, wow, and, I'm, wow. and it's not, and I'm, I'm not lying to myself where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go pray. <laughs> and secretly I'm calling it, uh, we call it sloking. Sleeping, soaking, sloking, <laughs> right. Right? right? But hey, why not? We're probably the most under uh, under rested people group in the world. You know, the Western world, at least, is for the most part very underslept, under rested. We don't have enough sleep, and it is the Antichrist tactic is to wear us out. It says about that in Daniel that he will wear out the saints. Wow, wow, wow. He will exhaust you. Wow. You know, people are going to bed at one in the morning, getting up at five, thinking it's like going to get them something in life. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. And it, I always tell people, if you want to have more dreams, more encounters, set your alarm clock back. You'll have dreams if you sleep in. And, man, I'll tell you what, those dreams give me direction and I get a lot more done that day if I sleep in, you know. And sometimes you don't have the luxury to do that. But when you do, take advantage. Interesting. When you sleep in, it's easier to go into that into that dream state. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and it's be, I think it's a lot of REM sleep, the, the sleep that we get when we are actually in, um, in, in the dream state is in light sleep. It doesn't happen in deep sleep. That's why you don't dream when you're in the operating table. That's why you dream, because they put you in a very, very deep sleep. They knock you out and put you in a deep sleep. But then there are times where they, they you're sleeping and you're just in between sleep and awake. It's just that light enough sleep, and that's where you have some of the most amazing dreams. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. So are you, would you be considered a millennial? Well, I don't is know. It, you know, I have people. I have literally. I have millennials 
will try to argue with me if I even dare say I'm a millennial. Yeah. Because I think millennials, there's such a proprietary right on on. They're like they're like I, you're not even they'll they they'll argue with other millennials that are born right, in the same right, year. Well, right, I don't right. know. I mean, you're born in Oklahoma. I don't know. If yeah. Can millennials? You know, it's like there's <laughs> such a misunderstanding. Maybe I am. I you know. Um, I, I, was, I I heard a quote recently, and it was. Um, uh, everybody agrees that millennials are the worst thing ever. Nobody agrees what a millennial actually is. <laughs> this, I now I love millennials. So I have to say this: I love millennials. I love, you know, I, I think they're amazing people, but and they're very very <laughs> misunderstood. Okay, I, right. I, I think they're highly misunderstood. Okay, and you know the thing about millennials is i is 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 this saying right here i don't care how much you know until i know how much you care wow that's right that's right and they it, it, if i'm a millennial you know so be it but if i'm a, a millennial i'm looking for care i'm looking for nurturing i'm looking for a sense of i belong i'm wanted before you could tell me what to do before you could inform me now there was another generation where you know is like you know, who cares how I feel? I got to get right, this thing right, done, right, you know, right. and all that stuff. And maybe that generation needs to learn something, and the other generation needs to learn something from the other. I mean, we all we're all learning from each other, and and you know, and now you got Gen Z coming up, and a dear friend of mine, Steve Robertson, and he's one of the the uh, world, you know, leading experts on Gen Z. He's an amazing guy. And uh, Gen Z's coming up, and Gen Z is like, I got a six-year-old. That's a Gen Z right there, mm-hmm. right? I got a 10-year-old. That's a Gen Z right there. And the Gen Z, they have a 30-second uh, curation time where they will actually give you 30 seconds of their time to determine whether they'll that whether or not you will be in what they call a curated stream and they're doing this subconsciously subconsciously thinking about it in you know youtube and instagram and all of these different social media platforms and media platforms have empowered them and almost programmed them to do this and so you know for me you know like people don't even watch channels they just curate channels that's right that's right that's right they only watch a channel they'll just tell you how many channels they got in their curated stream because they spend most of their time just curating information they're like whoa it's like the the person that buys the book but they don't read it but the ownership (laughs) of the book gives them a sense of feeling like I'm, i'm i'm part of something right and so that's that next generation beyond millennials and gen z and so but yeah, I have good things to say about millennials. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it, it is interesting because of just the um, like the baton that's being passed from one generation to the to, to the millennial generation, um, and just some of the friction that's existed between like the mo- the, the moms and pops and and the millennial generation. I know I was I was doing a conference with um, um, so uh, with, with Patricia a while back, and I landed and I got a um, a, a folder as far as like these are the things that we're going to be discussing here's some things I'd like for you to discuss. And one of the things that were, uh, I remember being like the first question, but I don't think it actually was. And the question was like, um, why are millennials so entitled? 
And immediately I was triggered. I was like, immediately like, what are you talking about? You know, what, you know, ah, you know, not, not, and Patricia probably didn't even write those questions, probably somebody else did, but it was interesting that that started a series of conversations with some of the moms and pops about their interaction with millennials. And there's like this, this common kind of thread of like millennials basically, and this is coming from like, like from, from our parents' generation, this common thread of like, these guys want everything handed to them. They don't really want to work for anything. They want to leverage our favor that we worked super hard for. And they would just want us to be able to hand our platforms over to, you know what I'm saying? And then when it comes time for them to really put in the hard work, they just bail. Or if it doesn't, if, 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 if a ministry um, opportunity doesn't turn out the way they, 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 they're like incapable of taking responsibility. And it's just interesting hearing some of the conversations and perspective of millennials and now you see more young cats stepping into ministry and um but there's actually a lot of a lot of millennials stepping out of ministry as quickly as they're stepping into ministry so it is really interesting that like the generational fabric and what's taking place within the context of ministry as these generations are overlapping yeah i mean if if there's anyone that should take responsibility it's the ones that parented that generation you know, and the, that's really the makeup, the fabric. It's not it's it's not so much society or something they drank in the water. You know, it's it's the the parenting tactics, the constant giving, the constant overgiving, the the the, the sense of like, man, I got to give, give. You don't want my, you know, I didn't get anything growing up, so I want to give my kids the world, all of this type of stuff, and that never really amounts to to much. That doesn't that type of that that type of nurturing doesn't really actually develop that person into a man or woman and and so you know there are certain issues you know that we could address and we talk about but at the at the end of the day it you know everyone has the potential for grit everyone has the potential that's true i think so that everyone has the potential for grit i think it's everyone has the potential for grit they just i think i think you are millennial because you're very optimistic I mean, I think that <laughs> I think that's like a trait of millennials is that we're very optimistic, unlike the Xers that tended to be a little bit more pessimistic. <laughs> but go on. So yeah. everyone has a potential for grit. Every but is that grit fostered? Is it nurtured? Is it developed? Is it at a baby stage when they're in their thirties? You know, there's certain you know we we all can grow and God can help you play catch up. You know, in your life and uh, you know. I, I I was I started working when I was like ten years old. Okay, <laughs> literally I got a paycheck when I was I would get weekly uh, at ten years pay, old paycheck at twelve. I think it's I was, illegal. I was managing my father's restaurants at twelve. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you know my managing managing I was doing his invoicing when I was like fourteen. That's crazy. So you know I I started work very early, and and I went man when I was eighteen I was like. Peace. I'm out. You know, I'm not living in my folks' apartment upstairs. I'm right, not living. Right, I'm not doing right, that. Right. There's people that are doing that today, and it's just because they didn't get the opportunity to grow up. You know, and and they they've been babied. Now, can they grow? Absolutely. Given the right set of circumstances and the right level of of of, of opportunity, everybody. You know, there's a win for them. They not the fear of loss, but the opportunity to gain. And they have to see it because 
Your level of sacrifice is only dependent upon your vision and the, the magnitude of, of the gain of your vision. If you're willing wow, to wow, sacrifice, wow, that's what wow. Jesus did. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. When it says despising the shame, this word despise means he took it lightly. Like Jesus on the cross took it lightly. He was like, it's nothing. Compared to the joy that is set before him, he saw this beautiful scenery that was before him. A bunch of people reviling him, spitting on him, all this stuff. And he was like, you're the one. Wow. You know, Jesus had like the, the those, I don't, I don't understand that. But it's like when your kids are screaming and they're going, they're having a fit, and you're like, "You're so darn cute," <laughs> you know. Like you're looking at your kid, and you're like, "It's like your your son says something he shouldn't uh, shouldn't," and you have to turn away because you're, <laughs> right. you're like laughing, right, right, you know. But you know he needs discipline, <laughs> you know. But you're like, and I think that's the father, the father wow. in wow. Jesus was looking at us and he had a capacity that was outrageous in fact jesus didn't didn't die a normal death this is what is interesting you know you even the cross couldn't actually kill jesus wow we think that the right. cross killed right. jesus right. but the cross did not kill jesus if he didn't give up the ghost jesus would have lived wow his body would have recovered he had divine dna okay he was the only begotten of the Father. And so when he gave up the ghost, he willingly gave it up. He gave up his spirit, and that is when he died. Interesting. Yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting. And so I think... And I've heard the same thing about the apostles. Yeah. This idea that the that the apostles were immortal and basically surrendered themselves un, unto death when that time came. Yeah, and I, I mean, that, you know... I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I don't know, but I think that there's there's possibility for that. I think you know. They, I mean, they walked with Jesus, right? But even Jesus' death was so profound that it says this one thing. It's often overlooked that that saints of old actually they they had been awakened from their tomb. They had been awakened from their the the their burial. And walk the streets crazy, of Jerusalem. Crazy, crazy. And so, could you imagine that day? All of a sudden, like you're like, that's the, that's that's <laughs> is that Abraham? <laughs> right. Oh my, who is that? You know, and the, like you start to see these different figures because one man sacrifice, and and so, but back to to about grit. I think that we all have the potential for grit. It's just the right circumstance, the right you know reward. You know, and we could train ourselves to do this. That's what fasting does, right? I mean, look, I hate fasting. Let's just be real. I no one. I don't delight in fasting. I don't get it when people do. I feel like that's there's something mentally mm-hmm. not there. Right, when right. someone's like, "Man, I just so love it," right? <laughs> and but it's funny because. I mean, when I don't go, when I don't fast for a while, I was with Lou Engle the other day, you know, and I was like, we were having dinner. I was like, Lou, just your presence and watching you eat makes me want to fast. Like, can you pray for me that wow. I would get this? Wow. And, and so <laughs> the next day, uh, you know, and it was me and Danny Goki. And so Danny, Danny's like, that's good. Let's do it. So I, I, so Danny and I, like, we all go over there and we we're all praying, you know, getting, prayed for by Lou and Lou's praying for us 
And the next morning, I'm like, Dan, I'm like, Danny, you, we got to do it tomorrow. Like, like how how did how did Lou pray for you? Was he like, he was, was he like, I give you an impartation for the hunger for fasting? Yeah, it was it was an it was a just like, a simple like, was that, prayer. that kind of thing. It like, wasn't like that, but it was no. just like you know, God help these men to be strong and to and to say yes to you cool. in, in this that they desire. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, I don't know if I could give you that, but I, I'll pray with you. You know, and so I said, okay. So the, cool. so cool. the next morning. I'm fasting, right? <laughs> it's terrible. Okay. 12 so, hours later. <laughs> 12 hours later. And this is after I had just devoured like a 16-ounce steak. Okay. That's what you're supposed to do. Right before you fast, eat the biggest meal of your life. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to eat this 16-ounce, or I'm about to fast. I've just eaten this 16-ounce steak, <laughs> and I'm about to fast. And so then... When I go to fast the next morning, like I wake up, I'm like super pumped. I'm like, today's my day. I'm going to fast today, right? Make coffee because coffee is supposed to be like a hunger curb, you know, uh-huh. curbs your hunger. Uh-huh. Make coffee. And and so by like 9 o'clock, I'm like starving. <laughs> but it's all in my head. Now, here's the thing about me. I actually don't typically eat breakfast. I don't. But because I had in my mind that I was fasting, it's like my body is like, you're so hungry right now. (laughs) And and I'm like, I'm like, I'm weak. (laughs) Oh, you know, I start to feel pale. You know, the feeling of being right. pale. Like, I start to feel pale. Like, my blood pressure is going down. My my sugar levels are going. I'm like, I'm so weak. You know, and it's all in your head, but it's developing grit. Wow. The next wow. day, it gets easier. And, you know, when you want to develop that grit, man, to, don't, it's like delay it by an hour. Don't wow. do a whole day. Just, wow. just instead of eating at 8, eat at 9. Instead of eating at 9, eat at 10. Then to push it back to the next day. Push and it. your motivation when you fast, is it to develop grit or is it to be more in tune with like the holy spirit or like like what what do you what are you feeling inside and you're like i know i i I need to fast now like what are you actually yeah no i want to just qualify this and say like i'm not the fasting guy okay so you know (laughs) when when it comes to writing books it will not be me who writes a book on fasting okay 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 so but i have done long extended fasts and i've done you know i've done my 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 long journey in that and i've done the you know the Daniel fast, the Jesus fast, all of those fasts. Mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. And but I won't be the guy that's like I understand it because there's nothing fast about fasting. It is so hard, and it is slow. But there's reward at the end. Mm-hmm. Now, what I will say though is, when I am fasting, I'm fasting usually for a specific focus purpose. Other than that, if I do fast. And it's not for like a spiritual focused purpose of a breakthrough in a certain area, maybe a greater healing measure or a greater, greater understanding of, you know, I need wisdom in a certain area. And I'm, you know, I'm maybe doing an Esther fast and I need breakthrough, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if it's outside of that, it's actually for focus. I'm a writer. And I found that Interesting. if I don't, if I write before I eat, that I actually am able to write easier and, and I am able to focus. It's something of a practice in my own life. Works different for somebody else, you know, maybe a big bowl of cereal and, you know, four eggs and bacon, whatever, you know, <laughs> like works for you, but not for me. And so whenever I do that, I'm like, I'm going back to bed. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I just kind of delay the day and, and, you know, until, until later on in the day and doing that. 
Yeah, interesting, interesting. Going back to what you're talking about with the um, with Generation Z, I find that conversation really interesting as far as like how how they're being subconsciously programmed by social media in order to and ag- quickly aggregate content and then become um, extremely judgmental. Like we may be raising one of the most judgmental generations of all time in the sense that like everything is going to be navigating what we, where we eat you know for, like with yelp right to to like travelocity to where what hotel we stay in every everything being review generated to the degree that now you have churches that are being yelped you, you know what i'm saying oh like there, there's a church here in seattle and that um a couple of them that got like almost yelped to death right like their yelp was like very negative so they would have to go to their congregations and be like everybody yelp like we gotta out yelp the negative yelpers right like yelp you know yeah. and, and then the church would push the negative yelpers down just with their with their sheer with their so like but that's like what we're that's like that's where we're at right now like like even to the movies that you watch the music that you listen to you know before you buy anything you're gonna look at the reviews on it and like that's this next that's this next generation that we're that we're raising right now so so if you're listening to this in in like you know 2048 and and somehow you get a hold of this after the apocalypse you know and you're like what is yelp okay it's an online database an information source to to find who, what the best rated restaurants events movie theaters you know and now they've got it for churches and all sorts of th- it, it is it is and i don't want to put it down because i don't want to be in trouble legally but you know it, it's 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 there's certain aspects of it that are helpful and others that are hilarious and so but you know i i think that in regard to the gen z and those that are in gen z perhaps they are or they're becoming super ultra perceptive mm. you know and and the thing about judgment we're in a really interesting you know time in history where it's like only God can judge me, right? And and it's this only God can judge me, and and we're kind of that's become a dirty word to judge. Yet most of our entertaining television shows are judges judging people, right? Judging you on building a cake or judging you on your song, right? right, right? right and so right. how are we how are we like saying only you know you can't judge me, but yet we buy into this understanding of like you know when someone has a talent and there's someone judging them and then it it is appropriate it's not inappropriate right it's like the one verse that that people that aren't christians know that one verse like they might not know john 3 16 or the 23rd psalm but they're like i know that in the bible it says don't judge like it says don't you know what i'm saying yeah well now it's actually not just you know those that don't don't walk with in faith in Jesus. Now people are using it. Christians are using it as sort of an alibi, wow. you know, wow. and, and there are cases where, yeah, only God can judge you on that. Right. But I do want my kids to have good judgment. Amen. Amen. I want my kids so that when my daughter is, you know, out with her friends later in life and some dude rolls up and he's got no business talking to her because her dad has, you know, a double barrel shotgun at home and he's ready, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, you know, I'm not there. Right. So I'm not there to, you know, filter through the idiots that are trying to, to take advantage of my little girl. Right. And right, so right. I need to 
give her a sense of good judgment in life, right? And not because she's saying you're, that person's going to hell. There's no judgment uh, that, that she can give that person other than a personal boundary. You don't have any rights to me. Right, right, right. right. And that is the type that we, we can have, and it's healthy, and saying, I don't, need, I don't welcome you into my space. This is sacred space in my life. I've made this sacred space. It's for me. It's for the Lord. And I don't welcome you. And, and, and so I want her to have good judgment. You know, and, and so she's going to have to have the ability to perceive whether that person is healthy or not. To teach them how to be a good judge without being judgy. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that, that idea, though, is like, you know, everybody's, you have to welcome everybody into your space and not have boundaries right 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 and and so you know i think everybody's kind of learning right now the value of boundaries and power of boundaries yet at the same time that our boundaries should never compromise our love this whole this whole judgment thing and this whole idea that everybody gets a voice <laughs> like that's never existed ever before like in the old days like you only got a voice like on a church in, in a church building if you were a pastor if you're a pastor, you get the microphone, right? But now, because you have uh, every church has a Facebook page, now every person has a voice, and and even people have voices that we don't even know who they are. They don't even go to church. They could be witches or something, right? So you got people like putting comments on your videos, like you know, where's that in the Bible, you know? And you're, like and you can totally give them references, but it doesn't matter. They're just everybody. So this whole like everybody gets the comment on anything that they want. They, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have a degree. Like everybody gets to. Everybody, you know, and I finally kind of like snapped this year, like um, even with taking this podcast onto YouTube, you know, which YouTube's, man, the people that comment on YouTube, they're like the craziest breed of them all, like out of Facebook or t or Twitter gets pretty crazy. But like compare Facebook to like YouTube, YouTube commenters, like negative ones, they're like the worst. Like they feel so empowered to comment, right? So finally, like this year, I was like, you know what? Like if there's an outrageous, if there's just a stupid comment that's just negative, I'm going to call it out, right? So I started like calling people out, right? And that's then, a full time job, right there. Well, buddy. What, like I'm not that popular, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, like, like, and and they would kind of rebuttal, and then finally, I would either ask them to delete their comment or they would just do it on their own just because they felt kind of, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, and eventually I'm gonna have to hire somebody that'll, that's as good as it or better than me. Um, you know, but like, but like, cause there's zero accountability and that's why people do this stuff. Like that's why people get on there and get, they're not exercising good judgment. They're just being judgy, you know? Yeah. And that's that super passive aggressive. That level of behavior is passive aggressive. It's that I can hide behind my computer and, and throw stones from the safety of my living room, right, my bed, whatever, wherever they're at, and, and just go, well, have you thought about this? <laughs> have you thought about that? And that kind of behavior, it's, for me, I'm like, don't, w there's, there's other things you can do to have, like, I don't try to deal with that by telling that person, like, just how wrong they are. But I'm like, don't you have anything else to do? Oh. Like you're an important person, right? You know, and 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 reevaluate, re help them reevaluate their own identity. 
you'll honor you'll honor them as a person but then kind of dishonor how they're using their time well i I don't mean it like well i'll dismiss how they're using their time right like like you know you have better you have better things to do you know but then you're an incredible person but what you just did is not incredible at all (laughs) well i mean for them to to take that time to to right to to sort of criticize something that i'm creating right you know it's a waste of time right it's a waste of energy and and so i'm you know i don't mind calling that that person higher sure you know and and so uh i think that that when you know when we do talk to people in these forums we should have a sense of redemption you know for instance i was i'll give you the example because there was something I was putting out there. It was uh, it was a project I was working on, and I had everybody in the uh, coming out of the woodwork that I felt like, man, these people just have so much time on their hands to do this. Who who has time to do this? And they were just throwing stones. They were like false prophet. They would just write <laughs> things like false prophet. Right. And I was I would write back, like, what does that even mean? Right. You know? Can you please elaborate? You know, or I they would they would say things like, um, you know, uh, you know, in the last days there shall be, you know, <laughs> men that depart from the faith and blah blah blah. Right. And I'd say that is an amazing scripture. So w- what does that have to do with anything that I'm doing right now? Like right, what? Right. That's totally unrelated to anything that I'm, you know. And and every once in a while I would get in actually a real dialogue with someone, and they would actually come to a conclusion that it was just totally un, un, unnecessary for them to do that. And we had so much so that I had one, this one guy and people were, he was, he was really, bra- he was really brazen. He was just, you know, going for it. He was, he was putting me down and putting this down and all this stuff. And I said, Hey buddy, you okay? You know, <laughs> like what's going on, man? You know? And then I started just being gentle with him and just kind and it was so cool because he came back all the way around and he was like, well, I guess this is okay. You know, like you're different. This is different, you know? And, and so to this day, like a year later, and, uh, he wrote me a message on, on, uh, Facebook and um, the message was just basically, thank you so much for treating me with kindness. Wow. And, wow, and wow. yet I did call him out. It wasn't like a complete, like, you know, um, you know, it's okay. You know, you're just hurt. I wasn't putting him down. Like I wasn't like saying, "Oh, you're just hurt. That's why you're doing this." Right. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. 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 It, I was actually saying, "Look, you have value, so your opinion is valuable. So let's talk about this. Why is why is it you feel like you feel need need to to speak it like that?" Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because even with the whole thing of email, right? Like engaging a whole conversation over email, or anytime you're behind a computer you can um you can access google which is like unlimited knowledge right so i think that there's almost this thing in in like our generation and the next generation where we almost believe that we are unlimited in knowledge because anything we want to know we can access it on on a google server versus from our own minds right so i think that there's like this false confidence this pride because if you know everything you're gonna have a, 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 there's a potential for an enormous amount of pride right yeah so it's almost like you have a gen uh, almost a generation that's like becoming very very proud in that they have like access to unlimited knowledge but that only works like over email or over your phone because if we're sitting across the table from each other 
right? And we, we're having a disagreement. You can't be sitting there googling stuff. Like, like it's got to oh, come. Yeah. It's got to come from from you. It's got to come from like what you've actually lived, what you actually know, like from what's actually been put through the the fire. So, like, I once got an email from this guy that was coming after me as like this prosperity teacher and comparing me to 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 Kenneth Hagen and Creflo Dollar and all the you know, and uh, just just coming after me. And so, and he had all these arguments and all these stats and all this stuff. And I realized he wasn't that wasn't coming from his mind. It was coming from Google. So I said. Um, hey, I, I, I will not engage in this kind of conversation with you over email. If you want to talk about it, you can come and meet, meet me. You, know, you, you could step outside. You want to, have, you know, it's so he, like he, um, so he came to the church and we had a conversation and there was a humility that was in him face to face that he wouldn't have been able to have over email. And, and he flipped on his position. And, That's amazing. Yeah. Man. And I just think that there's something about like, like technology is an incredible blessing. But also there's this, there, there's almost a false sense of self that like that we can step into because we always got our phone on us. And if all of our human engagements happening o- over social, we can, we can, w- you know, we, we, we can think that we're Doogie Hauser, but n- n- not, not really, you know, but actually be quite incompetent when it comes to what we're actually living. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it, that, that brings up another problem in our disconnect in our in our communication and our connection with one another right yeah technology cannot be the substitute for our connection with one another even if if it's in confrontation debate or any of that other stuff confrontation can be super healthy absolutely Absolutely. it can be absolutely healthy i'm not i'm not the first person to jump in a confrontation but it can be super healthy right and but at the same time i mean i've done this i know you know when when someone's dialing me calling me and i i'm in the middle of a meeting right and if i put what's up you know and and what's up like period that to me that communicates to them like what's up like why the heck are you calling me and i'm really bothered right yeah yeah. so i you know i'm the i I like using emojis okay (laughs) I'm an emoji guy, so I'm like, I'm like emoji. I'm like, hey, what's up? Happy face, happy face, thumbs up, bodybuilder. Thumbs up. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I gotta use the the emoji because I want them to know that I mean well in saying what's up. Brilliant, right? Brilliant. brilliant. And and but you know when we read the scripture, when we're reading the scripture and we're reading over these amazing words that God is speaking, right? And we don't know His tone. Wow. You know, wow. and wow. that's why the scripture says his banner over me is love. Wow. Because it's his emoji over us. Wow. That's his good. emoji that's over good. us is love. That's good. So when we read him, whether it's being kind and promising or correcting or whatever it is, all of it is like, I love you. You know, like, know that I'm in your corner. I love you. And them saying this for your betterment. That's you know, really I'm good. I'm saying this for your profit, for your blessing. And so his banner, his emoji over us is love. That's really good. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, that, 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 I mean, I almost think that when it comes to like, um, if somebody calls me, it's like, it better be an emergency. <laughs> Are you sure you're... <laughs> I like to be actually if if you leave a voicemail it better be like to me there's nothing more rude than leaving a voicemail like I gotta like you know and, and then people are always asking like did you listen to my voicemail I was like did someone die 
Right, like oh my gosh, Darren, that <laughs> I mean, is like, hilarious. Send, send, I am not like send that. a text, you know, send a text, and then but if it's um, you know, um, even a text, like maybe send. Well, how do send, you like people to contact send, you, Darren? Send an email. You don't like criticism on YouTube. <laughs> you don't like phone calls. Okay, apparently you don't even like text. <laughs> what are my options here? Yeah, email first, you know, and if it's an emergency, send a text. You know, if it's a real emergency, like if someone's dead or something, you know, call. And then if it's a, a like an Uber a Uber emergency with details that need to be communicated, like like the like the room number of, in, of your hospital room, leave a voicemail. You are a high achiever. That is my that is my <laughs> observation. Just out of the that amazing. I love people. I love. I, I do love people. Up. Just communication. You know. Well, <laughs> see, I'm a small talk guy. Okay. Okay. Like I like small talk. I like. I like doing small talk. I, I. Do you love long? Do you love long, like conversations over coffee? Like just long. You know what I'm saying? No. Are you good with that? No, I don't like long conversations over coffee. Okay. But I do like long conversations while we're 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 building a back deck. Oh, okay. You know, I yeah. love long conversations while we're over a mission. Over a mission. <laughs> yeah, connected mission. Yeah, I'm a shoulder to shoulder guy. Yeah. So, you know, this podcast is extremely uncomfortable for me. Is it? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I you know, I, I I love I love doing something. Yeah. And whether it's video games or whether it's building a deck or whether it's painting a room and and getting one of my buddies or a guy I'm I'm mentoring and just saying, hey, I'm going to pour into you over this next hour, two hours. We're going to dialogue, whatever you want to talk about, you know. And I don't say that offhand, but it's just it, it's just, it just comes out, it happens. And those conversations are priceless. They're amazing, and we get things done. And I feel like the movement because I'm a I'm a I'm a mover too. I have to move to actually have some level of brain function and some level of uh, of, of vocabulary and, sure, sure. And, and verbal fluency, I have to be moving. And so if you call me on the phone at home and we're dialing, by some rare yeah, chance that, that Darren Stott calls me on the phone <laughs> and is willing to have a, like a conversation with me by phone, I will be either you know playing putt putt or or i'll be walking around or i'll <laughs> right. be pacing you'll right. hear me heavy breathing on the phone because i'm like where are you right now i'm, I'm hiking right now and it's what <laughs> right. i have to do to talk to you yeah you know? yeah yeah and so yeah. I'm, I'm that kind of guy i like to do shoulder to shoulder yeah no that, that that's awesome that's awesome me too good <laughs> that's this, this I mean, is like I, one of those. I, I feel like we just bonded. We just made it awkward, guys. We're like, you're like. I'll say, I'll say that, and that y'all, you oftentimes see me pacing the the parking lot out here, like you know, doing doing a phone conversation. But it's an emergency. <laughs> That's why I'm on the phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm, 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 I'm wired like that. I and and uh, but you know, I have ADD. Yeah, I've got ADD, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't confess that. It's not a confession. It's 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 um, because I'm not confessing it as if I'm as if I'm grabbing for it. You should take I'm, that part I'm of your identity. Pro- yeah, <laughs> uh, a confession is like something that you're, you're a you're son, but you wrestle. You're a son, but you wrestle with ADD. <laughs> uh, it's I've not been wrestling with it. It's it's, it's more like playtime. Uh, and 
so you know when i with add i i'm i'm constantly Wait, having because when you say add your them. eyes sparkle like i noticed that, like today you're preaching and you're talking about add and your eyes like kind of sparkle like well, I, this little hint of joy like, like you're <laughs> i have so so robbie dawkins i was talking to him and he was talking yeah. about how he has the same thing and he was like man i want to get healed and I, and and i was like oh yeah and he's like, yeah, but not a, not enough to lose my prophetic, you know, because there's something connected to it, you know. And 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 I know people that can really radically focus and all that type of stuff, but uh, and they're super pr- prophetic people. But it, if you're like me, you're prophetic. You're also like you were talking about something, but you're also like willing to be distracted. Yeah, yeah. Because that's yeah. the prophetic. Cause yeah. Prophetic is willing to be distracted. That's awesome. You know, and you're willing, like God's like. Hey, you see that tree over there? And you're like, yeah. You know, like everything is like a potential message to you. And you, for me, that do I get things done? Yes. Do I have to get things done to, to grow as a person? Yes. It's not an excuse or an alibi. It's actually my superpower, right? It's like my right, ability right, right. to, I use it for creativity. I use it for writing. I use it for, I've learned instead of taking it as a victim I take it as now it's like my superpower. Yeah. You know, and a lot of lot, lot of things are, are victimizing in a sense, you know, and it's like when you get told you get AD, you have ADD, it's like wow, you know, you're, wow. it's like shame. Right. You know, and and so I've learned to manage that through uh just diet and and running. But I mean most performers um are ADD, right? From what I've heard, like most comedians um, most like kind of front men in bands um, from what I've from what I've heard and I, I would even imagine that most kind of like the more kind of popular like ministers that we see like that are in the spotlight I would imagine if they were to be tested they'd, they'd probably be on the spectrum <laughs> on the ADD spectrum are you on the spectrum <laughs> but which you know I think um, you know because you have to be in a church, like in a, in a meeting environment, right? Like, the, you, yeah, like the, there's too many things to be totally to be processing. Like if you're just single track minded, you're you're gonna you're gonna get, you're gonna blow up in a meeting. Like yeah. if you're like my teaching, I gotta do my teaching, and then there's like demons manifesting and glory clouds popping. Like that's yeah. linear thinking. I'm not a linear thinker, and so that's that's you know linear as an A B C D. It's mm-hmm. like a straight line. And it's linear thinking or linear linear, linear leadership. Uh, those people I th- I probably would thrive under yeah. if they were giving me you know resp- if I was like partnering with them. Sure, sure. Because my my weakness is their strength. Their strengths, you know, their their weakness is my strength. And, sure. You know, the, the inspiration. Now, there's a difference between inspiration, you know, and in compulsive behavior, right? Okay. And and you know if you're you know you got a problem like. You got a compulsive shopping problem, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that, right? Where you're just like, you know, I can't, I can't help myself. I had to, do, you know, like that's a, there's a self control issue, right? Right. You right, know what I'm right, saying, right? But if you're like in the middle of something and God's got a greater agenda than what your something is, and you're willing to be distracted, that's a good thing. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and, and I think that though, God, you know. We, we, as Paul said, I glory in my weakness. I glory in it because the strength of Christ is revealed in our weakness. It's awesome. And people, we all have different weaknesses. 
And, and, you know, much of our life is spent trying to cover those up. Yeah. Much of our life. And, you know, there's a generation of ministers even where they wouldn't even openly talk about any problems in their life. I'm not talking about they had to air out their dirty laundry, but there was just like no vulnerability, no real. It mm-hmm. was it was hard for them to let their hair down, you know, men and women, and 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 because it was you know you got the critics. Now, I've I've just you know being in this environment, kind of kind of growing up in this social media environment. It's like for me, it's like water off a duck's back. When someone throws a jab at me or criticizes me. And and sometimes I'm just like worried if it's true. I'm like, wait, <laughs> you know, like, wait, is that true? Did I actually do? You know, like, right. I'm like, oh Lord, I repent. But like, if I if it isn't true, I'm just like, ha, that's funny. You know, like, <laughs> I actually am thinking that's actually creative. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, and and I don't take offense over it. You know, and and so I think that to be able to be real, to be able to be honest vulnerable it's priceless people want want that people feel the tangibility of that they feel it's something it's something amazing that's why we're all craving reality but but not chaos reality we're craving like healthy reality right we're, we're we want something real and and you know I, I i'm constantly grounded in my own humanity by my kids Mm, right 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 you know my own human it's like because i'm driving yeah i i'm i got him in the car i got worship music on and i'm like praise you lord i'll give you my quiet down back there i'm trying to worship right right is that is that is that not real or what because we have we, we're like we have this picture of someone now they're they're the mother Teresa's out there that it's like man nothing can get under their skin i'm not i'm not a madman but i'm talking about you know just there are <laughs> moments where you're just like oh, lord jesus you know yeah. and and then you go ha huh, i'm breakthrough i feel good lord thank you lord and you know in in that sort of realness is not even a conversation certain generation was willing to have because people would would take total advantage of that and tear them apart, and for whatever reason, culture has been been embracing this model of leader and willing to embrace a model of leader that I'm not talking about they're reckless or or you know they're a maniac or anything like that, but they're willing to embrace a, a leader that has a broken leg, mm. you know, like Jacob mm. when God wrestled Jacob. And Jacob gets up and he's got a limp because the Lord touched his hip and he touched him in a way that he forever would walk differently. He became the leader that God wanted him to be. And in fact, if you follow up with the rest of the chapter, he goes out and he faces his brother who he's been avoiding for many years. He faces him and he repents. He reconciles to his brother and there's a healing moment. And it didn't happen before he got his hip you know, taken out his, you know, he was now walking with a limp, his weakness. And it was like done by God. Yeah. yeah. It was God touched him. Yeah. It's so good, man. It's so good. Especially when we're talking about like contrasting generations. Right. And I think it's really interesting because you have like the, the, the builder generation, the, um, like the world war two generation. 
and it was all about like there's like these guys were like um these guys are hard right like they went they went overseas like they defended our country against hitler stalin totally. like that like these guys were amazing and then they came back and they're war heroes and but they still have to bust their butt in order to provide for their family right like the whole like depression era and all of that right and then um so there's like this culture of honor kind of like you will honor your your authority you will honor your father and mother because they have busted their butt just so you can have some beans. You know what I'm saying? Totally. It, but then you have like our generation where we just, we don't even understand that. Like we, we've got like Saving Private Ryan and we've got like these um, these movies that we can watch, but we don't even understand that place where like there's like a tyrant dictator that wants us all dead and we're about to leave our families to defend our country, to defend our, you know what I'm saying? And what I wonder is like if, if that kind of that honor culture it has now shifted into this very like, where everything's videotaped and we in the most people that deserve the most honor we get to see the the, the, the most they're all their mistakes and like kind of like the hashtag failure kind, kind of um uh culture right where there's the, you can watch fail videos on youtube all, all day long and there's just kind of like this place where there is no privacy but you we still kind of respect people even though we see you know and, and so it's almost like reality tv show like vulnerability culture right now where if you're vulnerable if you're weak but you can still show a certain level of vision people will people will respect you you know and i'm just wondering i think that people we got to be careful to not use our vulnerability as a manipulative tactic to get our foot in the door to to get people's attention you know what i'm saying oh yeah it's got to be genuine it's got to be from your heart it's like the real thing it's not like a, a and I said because I think that like generationally like generations are still kind of stuck in their paradigm. So you have an older generation that's like I'm still not going to show you any weakness, <laughs> but then you got like a younger generation that's like, look, I suck. I'm a sinner just like you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they're like these, there you you see these extremes, these contrasts between generations, and I just think it's really really interesting. Like you know, oh totally, yeah. And I think what I think I get what you're saying because none of it should be. Look, I mean, I remember my daughter had a dream and she said, Dad, there was this this robber. She said, this robber came through the door and shot you in your leg. And and I was like, what? Oh, no. You know, like, because I know what dreams mean. And, yeah. I, and I'm, or at least I, wow. I'm familiar with some basic level of wow. dream interpretation. Wow. And, and so she says, you, and then you went through a healing process, Dad, and you when you stood up, you know, for me, 2018 was like a, a very difficult time in my life. Wow, wow. On on a ministry level, I was like things were exploding, breakthrough, breakthrough. On a personal level, I was being broken down. Wow. You know, and and I was going through some personal stuff that was just tearing me apart. But yet, I was going to make it. Wow. I, I determined this is not the end of my life. This is not the end of me. Right. And. Um, but you know, uh, in regard to the future, I knew I had, a, if I could just get to the end of this year, I will do, I will break through. And she said, and dad, what happened was after you got your leg shot, your leg was broken and you laid down, you were, you went through a healing process. You laid down in the dream on a, on a lily pad in a pond. And then you got up and all these other people with broken legs. Wow came around you and you became like the father to the people with broken legs. Wow. 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 And, and then there was like animals there 
and they were like funny animals and la- and and silly animals and they were all around you but you had a broken leg that you had been healed of but you were able to Amazing. to be the fa- a father to these broken Amazing. leg people Amazing. and a generation of the broken leg and so my daughter's 10 this is like it's she incredible. was 9 at the time so incredible. you know when your daughter is 9 telling you this dream you're like um 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 you know and so i went through the broken leg my leg was wow, broken wow, wow. and I got up this year and I'm like, man, and what has evolved, like come up, emerged out of me is a genuine desire to help people, to love people, to care for people and, and, and walk through with them through the problems that they're facing, Wow, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of it, there was a time in my life where spiritual fathering was like sort of like the haunting idea you know, it was like almost like torturing me. Like you got to be a spiritual father, but spiritual father. You gotta, I was like, I don't have it in me to be that. I don't feel it. I don't. I'm not that. Like you're hearing that from other people. Are you hearing that from your own self talk? Both. You know, I was hearing that from other people. Then I was hearing that from my own self talk. And so, you know, you and you could read like books on how to be a spiritual father. Start implementing strategies of what that looks like. Start being vulnerable intentionally. All that stuff. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, And then you're just like, like you said, just using it as a way to get your foot in the door. And it's not actually you. It's actually just a tactic so that you could, you could create more followers. Wow. Wow. Do you know wow. what I mean? Absolutely. And, and I think Jesus, the thing that was so magnetic about Jesus was when they saw people when, when when people saw Jesus, they saw the Father. That's right. You know, that's right. That's right. And it, but yet he had a way of saying like, only call God your Father. He would he was like deferring constantly to the Father. He was just like, look at him, he's he's amazing. I came to reveal him to you, and and so I think the I think this this idea in this generation of vulnerability and all that stuff. It's not to it's not it's it's not at all to be like. I too can relate to you, small man. You know, like it's not like that. <laughs> right, right, it's, right. It's it, it, it that will be broken off of you so quick. You, you God will the, the God will, will 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 be radically against that in your life because that's elitism. You know, if you're if you're like using your own weakness as like an advantage over other people or anything like that, you know, and that's not that's not true maturity. That's not true leadership. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think the enemy is very sly about manipulation Mm. and Mm -hmm. using, you know, the enemy is also very sly about emotional manipulation. You know, one way to manipulate people is like you just tap into their, if you're spirit, if you are an aware person, you know what, when either you're being manipulated or you're giving given an opportunity to manipulate someone and and use i mean for me it's like uh -uh, not going there that's not me i'm not into that Mm -hmm. i'm not going to like you know when i'm sitting across from you mirror your body language in order to get to appeal to you yeah so that i'm i'm just like you right we're just like each other you know or you talk town you know like you start talking like this and i'm i start talking like i'm not gonna do that I'm going to be me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's like all of these different strategies just to manipulate people towards your goal. Wow. Wow. That's that's nonsense. That's junk and is it's it's the world trying to give us tools of manipulation. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like when you go in and, and you're in an interview, just mirror the, you know, I'm not against that. But I'm so, I'm talking about when you're trying to get people to, to, to you know, follow you in your purpose and in whatever it is that God has on your life, or at least you want to partner with them in a similar common purpose. Yeah, because I, I think that when, when you see those kind of behaviors, it's indicative of two things, right? Like it's indicative of either like... um of uh, incredible weakness and that you're you're so fear-based that you're taking in these strategies these hacks in order to get some sort in order to not be rejected right and so i'm gonna mirror you i'm gonna i'm gonna learn all the, uh, the ways to make friends and influence people and all these different tactics because I'm, I'm afraid i'm internally afraid that you're gonna reject me so i'll do whatever it takes to not be rejected but there's another side of that you, you're not necessarily reading all those books, but it's like you're you're intuitively already there, and it's like like you've mastered all of these techniques. You could write the book on it. It's not because you're weak or afraid of rejection, not at all. Like you will be in control. Like if you're in the room, you'll be in control of the room, yeah. right? And it's yeah. and it's that place of like like uh, like devious, like almost you know tyrannical manipulative you know so there's that there, there's that the, the that place but i think that when we see those red flags in ourselves or in others paying attention paying attention to those red flags and really dealing with it in our in our own hearts because i'm sure we all go through times when we feel weak and we try to overcompensate somehow or other times when we're getting proud or in a series of wins and we're falling into bad habits in order to get people to kind of like bow down to our authority Right, you know, you just you, and you start playing to the crowd. Wow, wow. you know, you wow. start. Jesus didn't play to the crowd. Wow, he wasn't like, hey, you know, <laughs> what do you guys want to do? You know, like, and it wasn't him. Him like, oh man, they really want to hear this. He message, wasn't trying right? to get five stars on his on his on his like yes, page. Yes, he right? wasn't. Now he also wasn't just like arrogant and 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 mean, mean spirited. He was love. Jesus was embodiment of love. Right? If you've seen him, you see the Father, God is love. So he's the embodiment of love, but he only did what he saw the Father do. And so here, Peter, one of his best friends, says, Hey, Jesus, I got a great idea. Oh my gosh, so good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, right? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And Jesus, is like, you know, and the father's like, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Right. Right. And, and then there's another moment where like, hey, Jesus, I'm not, you're not going to go to the cross. I'm totally going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stand in the way of that agenda. And, and Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. You know, like, he's not like, oh man, you know, let's talk about this. <laughs> right. And, and, uh, I know you have a good heart. You got a real good heart there, you know, and and you, I know you mean well, um, but you're going to deny me three times, you know. He's and and what's interesting about Jesus' restoration of Peter, it wasn't the way that Jesus restored Peter is so opposite of our sozo culture today, in in this sense. And I'm a big proponent of sozo. I'm not I'm not sure, against sure, sozo. Sure. I'm a big believer of inner healing and all that stuff. But he says something to Peter that struck me. Peter is lost. Peter is won't even show up to the meetings, right? And they're like, Jesus is like, look, go get Peter. 
go get him. I need to have a convo with him. Right. 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 And so here comes Peter. Peter's like, you know, like he knows that he's going to ream me. He's going to ream me. Right. And the classical Sozo session says like, God loves you so much. God loves you. It's God. And I believe that I, I, I'm, I received the love of God. That's the only reason why I'm here today. Right. But there's something deeper healing that takes place in Peter where he says, Peter, do you love me? Wow. Wow. He says, do you love me, Peter? And he says, if you do feed my sheep. So he gives him, he gives him a responsibility. He gives him like, like something to do for him. But before that, he, he, he pulls Peter's capacity of love out of him, not just to receive love, but to give love. That's good. And sometimes our healing is 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 on the other side of our capacity to give love. Wow. There's something very healing about loving your kids. Mm. Something very healing about loving your spouse. There's something very healing about loving the people around you. Not just receiving love, but giving love. Love, it's it is it it that flow as it flows through you to other people, it brings life to you. Because Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. It is better to give than to receive. And as you are giving, that that love life that flows through you is actually restoring you. And it's, it's like, wow, I have purpose. Some say my purpose is to be loved. Well, yes and no. But my, all, my purpose is to love. Wow. Wow. If wow. no one else loves me, my purpose is to love. It's good. To be loved, but to love. He loved me first, and I love him, right? But then I have a purpose now is to love. Yeah, it's really, really good. I think that like like um, the message of the Father's love has been like one of the most incredible. Like we really have, we've been like in this incredible like era of like like um, like this move of God, like this almost teacher experiential move of God since the nineties, of like this revival of the love of the Father, right? right. And, um, and it was so needed, especially coming out of like the performance based um, compensation that took place in the church in the eighties, where it was all very very strong works based. Yeah, um, it, it, whether you were in like the um, the evangelical stream or this or more or even the eighties kind of supernatural stream at that time, everything was works based. And now there's really been this incredible grace thing that's just come over the whole feels like it's come over the whole kingdom of God, you know? Totally. And like that, that that's incredible. It, what do you, Jimmy, what do you think about like this whole thing of like, um, uh, there's there is like this 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 very popular kind of teaching on like universalism and even this even all this stuff that's coming out on hell and all the different views of hell and everything do you think that this is a healthy part of like the love and grace kind of like like movement as far as like really discovering the character and nature of god um or 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 are you or are there some things happening that you're like man i'm kind of worried about the kind of the trajectory of 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 where this is going not that it's love that's taking us there not as grace that's taken us there but um there is a very popular form of like yes jesus is the way the truth and the life um and yet no matter what you choose if you choose jesus or not you're gonna you, there's life for you if that makes sense yeah so my my yeah i see this i mean i'm in nashville so nashville is like a hotbed for all these different 
you know ways of thinking and believing and 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 a lot of because nashville there's a huge amount of you know uh young adults and adults and and you know 30s 40s and 20s and you know they're all kind of experimenting with their faith because they grew up as uh you know i call uh, i call them a mick christian you know it's <laughs> like they, they they you know like it's it's like they were born and raised in the in the environment but they never got to really explore their faith by themselves. Mm. So what the difficulty is, is because because they never really found for themselves, maybe the third generation Christian, the fourth generation, you know, like for me, I had my wild moment, you know, like, and I, and I came to Jesus and I'm so grateful. I, I don't look back at all at that stuff and be like, whoo, those are great days. Mm, right, like right. those were, I was lost. Right. I was terribly lost. Right. I was, I was a mess. And Jesus found me, and joy came in my life. Joy. I felt joy. I felt happy. I felt peace. I felt love. And so now I look back, and I'm like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. So what the thing is that they'll do is they'll include other belief systems. They won't necessarily in the say abandon Jesus, but they're just like, well, it's Jesus plus. Mm. It's Jesus plus. You know, and, and it's all these other different things because we got to coexist, right? And and this sense of like, you know, uh, this working together with everyone else and coexisting and all that type of stuff. I'm I am not I don't turn down opportunities to hang out with people re- regardless of whether they're this or that. You know, that's not me. But I will say this though that um, when it comes to leaders in the body of Christ communicating, you know, it's like one thing if 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 Jimmy over there is wrestling with his faith, you know, and he doesn't know what's right, but he's not a teacher. Mm-hmm. He's not a community. He's not, you know, he doesn't have a podcast on it. You know, he's just a person dealing with it privately or dealing with it with his friends. But then the other group that is now teaching it, those are false teachers, right? Those are right. false right. teachers. Right. They're false prophets. They're with the the emergence of true prophets. There's going to be false prophets with the emergence of true teachers because the wheat and the tares grow together. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so now what we have is like a reformation going on. The reformation was 500 years ago, the original reformation. Now we're in another reformation season and things are on the table that maybe shouldn't be there. But yet while the, while the, the tares are growing, the wheat is growing together and they're growing together and something good's going to come about with it something good it's not all bad it's going to be distinguishing between what is true and what is false okay but what i'll say though in in is that we are losing certain fundamentals and certain things that we we understand uh because we're trying to paint a nice god a nice god god is so nice Jeez, he's nice. Oh man, he's like so nice, you know, and like he wouldn't say anything bad to you, right? And and when you hang out with them, but you know when you look at Jesus, and and it really comes down to the what people are doing is they're they're going well. Everything has to boil down to who Jesus is in Matthew, Mark, like the way he behaved in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the thing is, if you don't take the book of Revelation mm. and see Jesus in the book of Revelation, like every ex- experience or, or, you know, it says, it's, Jesus said it's better to give than receive. But do you know that that is not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? That is a, that is a verse that Paul said 
for our, even our Lord said, better to give than to receive, mm-hmm. right? And so the, there's there's certain you know uh, aspects of Jesus' nature and what he stands for that are outside Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all through the That's book good. of Acts good. in the book of Revelation. They're the experiences of the Apostle Paul. And in Revelation, what does Jesus do? He shows up, and here the same person that is leaning on his chest falls in, in, in the Last Supper, it falls like a dead man at his feet. You know, and it, 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 it talks to him like he's, all, he's this is his first meeting with him. You know, talk. Jesus is talking to John. I am the one who holds the seven stars in my. You know, it, it's like they're, they're meeting for the first time. Yet they've walked together for three and a half years in his earthly existence. Um, you know, for me, man, heaven, Jesus. If Jesus returned today, I would love it. You know, I mean, I'd be that. The, but I want my transition into heaven to be one seamless transition. Well. Wow. Well, I want, I don't want it to be a shock and awe thing where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't even, I wanted to. And so I'm taking my time here to really study, to find out whether those things that maybe even that I've been given are true, authentic. And I'm not reading a bunch of opinion pieces on these things. I want to go right to the source yeah, and believe the Holy Spirit. You know, when I read that, that's, you know, the scripture, you know, and, it, and it, you know, there's there's talk whether it's heaven hell or whatever conversation you want to have but it's right there yeah because we we've needed we've we've needed this era of you know your good good father is who you are like we've needed this like we've needed that song we've needed this the, the, the you know this this father heart movement right and it's been it's really really good um and yet if we're, if our only d- definition for for god is by looking at the lenses of what a good daddy looks like on earth. There's a whole part of his character and nature that we miss out on. And um, because it behold the goodness and severity of God, right? And and I and what I'm seeing is there's a lot of a lot of redefining the Bible, a lot of redefining the character and nature of God and a lot of just interesting um, hoops that people are jumping through. In, in in regards to the Old Testament, totally, and because the, and again, and, and what's concerning me is that when people are using this argument all the time, and the argument is, well, you're as a father, would you do that to your kid, or as a father, because like as a father, I would not let my children wander in a wilderness for you know you know to to let them die, so that you know what I'm saying like as a father, I I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say hey sacrifice your son to to my you know like these so I I almost wonder if that's even a fair uh, like a fair way to for us to discern the true character and nature of God is looking at our own capability of what we're capable of doing as father you know what I'm saying well you know there's so much there that is lost in translation too. You know, because they're not taking into the context of things, you know, and, and, and so then, you know, for instance, it says in, in my anger, I hid my face from you for a little while. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and why does it say that? Well, if I'm a dad and I get angry with my kids and I, and I'm there in front of them and I don't have self-control and I'm like, why did you do this? Their impression of my face is mm-hmm. anger. Right. So he right, says, in right. my anger, I hid my face. I didn't show my angry face to you mm. because I don't want you to to think that I am this way. Mm-hmm. You right, know? right, right, right. And, and in the same way, when Jesus rebuked Peter, it says he turned, rebuking Peter. 
It mm. actually says he turned, not turned towards Peter, but turned away. Interesting. Because he doesn't want Peter to have this impression of the face of Interesting. Jesus Interesting. to be that of anger. Interesting. Okay. But yet, at the same time, what good father would leave your kid right in a whole in a holding pattern in in as it says you know he, he brought them out of egypt they were in they they had to go through the wilderness you know all of these you got to take the context of it and he he was with them he was not not with them he was with them and mm-hmm. you know i i just think that we try to humanize you know or or not humanize maybe that's wrong but we 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 try to make god like us and and yet he's trying to make us like him, yeah, you know. He's yeah, or he's made yeah. us like him, but we, he wants us to embody that. And I think though, though, here's one thing that I'll, I'll I'll end on this about this subject is that Hosea three five it says they will return to him and fear him and fear his goodness. Wow. 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 He is so good. Yeah, it's good. It's scary. That's good. It's good. <laughs> he's the type of good that makes you go, Wah! you know, like he's so good. It's, it's, it, it will mess with your mind. It will freak you out just how good he is. And I have been in presence encounters where the goodness of God is crushing me, you know, and it's not his, it's not him, him tormenting me. It's the, goodness of god amen and that is something that you know can only be experienced it's not something that's just read or taught it's something that has to be caught that's so good man that's so good and i'm also really excited about like the way you're posturing yourself moving into the the end of this year and into 2020 with all the equipping resources and schools and master classes and 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 all of that and so I, i know a lot of people are familiar with you but they're maybe they're not really connected um uh with you um, and so like what kind of stuff like what are you mo- when you think about 2020 what are you most excited about as far as where where you're going where you're gonna be taking your ministry what, what are you really gonna be focusing on as you're going into this into this new um yeah year? i you know I, i'm really connect i i'm i'm super in, encouraged by we're building right now a platform for mentorship that i think is going to be top notch awesome and it is live mentorship it is actually personal mentorship that i will be doing and friends of mine will be doing as well and those that are wanting to grow in their gifting they're wanting to grow in their dream their destiny it's called the online center for dreams awesome Awesome. and the center for dreams will be primarily born out of what we did with our seer masterclass where we we took 400 plus students yeah that's incredible 400 students through through that master class yeah it's amazing and that was over 2018 we did this and and so we're in a relaunch of that and 400 students went through learning how the seer nature works in their life and 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 there was live mentoring i walked each of them through this and and uh it was you know i my publishers i had two different publishers that were in on this for you know i gave it to them i I just said hey i want you to be a part of this Mm -hmm. and two different publishers and they said oh my goodness this is the future of authors in the publishing industry this is the future of authors connecting with their audience and and for me it was like connecting with my tribe that's awesome you know i felt like these are my people and so these are people that like they can message me 
you know, like we dialogue. It's it's just an amazing thing. The way that people could get a hold of that, just go to jamiegalloway.com, sign up for our newsletter. It's a simple sign up. It's right on the front page. And you sign up for that, and then you'll get to know what we're doing as that rolls out. My projection, I want to see about 1,500 to 2,000 over the next year. That's incredible. Of people walk through that process with me. And, and that's prophetic consulting. I'm doing, you know, right now I'm jumping into prophetic consulting and helping people, whether it's business leaders or, or ministry leaders, and, and I'm taking them through the prophetic uh, gift that is given to me as a gift for others, you know, and, and, and so I'm excited be, to share that with them. And so uh, I'm, my goal is to help them get into their destiny. You know, prophets are really called to crown kings. That's mm. their goal wow. Wow. is to wow. bring kings into their kingship, right? It's awesome. Yet to be kings into their kingship. And so that's, that's become a really big thing. And, and then we're, I'm excited about some of the media projects that I'm working on with, you know, God TV and some others. And, and, uh, I'm, yeah, you got a, a trip to Israel that you're doing for, for God TV. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're going to be in 2020. We're going to be going to Israel. And then, now this is exciting to me because I've never actually, been to Israel. This is your first time going to Israel. No, I'm in love with a, a Jewish man, but I've never been to Israel. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so I'm like, I want to see where this Jewish man walked. Jesus, he walked the streets of Jerusalem. He walked these amazing streets, and we're going to go, and I'm going to take a team with me. It's God TV's hosting it, and has asked me. Patricia King, Robert Henderson, Lyndall Cooley to come with us. Amazing, amazing, and amazing. And so people want to know about that. They could go to my site and uh, and join me for that March 2020 Israel tour. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited about all the resources um, that you've already created, but as well as your desire to just start. I mean, uh, I've heard some of the numbers and projections that you're going to be doing over the next little while. And it's, just, and it, and it's awesome, man. Um, media is really where, where, where it's at as far as the number of people you can impact in such a short amount of time. Um, and so, yeah, super excited about what, what, what Jesus is doing in and through your ministry, the stuff you've already done, but knowing that the best is yet to come in. So, this has been good. Darren, I appreciate it, man. And I want to honor you, buddy. You know, what you're doing here is absolutely incredible. And, and you know, you, you don't mince words. You don't, like, hold back at all. <laughs> and uh, I like that about you. I like your attitude. I like your I like the style. And I think this, you know, there's something on this podcast. There's something on this. And, and I think it's only the beginning for you, you know. Awesome. It, awesome. I'm looking around at the faces of our generation, you know, people that are – sort of kind of going in the fading into the background the sid roths you know and the mm -hmm. others you know and i'm like going god who's taking that wow who is you know and and not that sid well sid's gonna be like forever here you <laughs> right, know like yeah. but i'm like going oh, god you know like there's there's a generation coming up and uh, you know i'm going who else is coming up and moving into these places you know and 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 we've got to see that next generation. I think you are a part of that, bro. I mean, awesome. And awesome. So I just, I, I love being around you, love being on the show. And so thank you. Yeah, it means a lot, man. Thanks so much. Let's do it again. Let's do it. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take 
take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.